Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. 82 games down, and we're finally done. The long-awaited end of this miserable season is here for the Philadelphia Flyers. Let's recap it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 114 of Orange and Back Check. So glad you are here. It is the official recap of the 2021-2022 season. And a guy across from me that I'm probably guessing today was thinking... Man, I wish I could watch some Flyers hockey. Scott Weinhardt, what's going on, brother? You, you know what? I actually said this to a couple of guys over the press row the other night that, like, you know, it's it's kind of a good thing, but a bad thing that it's over. Like, it's good that because the disaster that this was this season is done and over with. But a bad, it's bad because you know what? It sucks that we don't have any Flyers hockey to watch. Yep, and and that that's the part that sucks because. You want to see this team in the playoffs. You want to see the city get excited about it. You want to see the fans get excited about it. And unfortunately, it's not happening. So, um, yeah, that, that's where I'm at with it, to be honest with you. I mean, you're right. I mean, that's really what – and I asked this question on our Twitter account, at Obacheck on Twitter. If you're not following us, make sure you're doing so. Like, what is the one thing or the top priority thing that you want Chuck Fletcher to do to just get you excited about Flyers hockey again? Like, what does it have to be to get butts in seats for you to say, man, they might not be contenders next year. They may not even be a playoff team next year, but at least they did X to make it exciting to have a plan. Like, that's what all of these teams have done. Look what the Eagles just did in the draft. I mean, people are jacked up for this team now because of A.J. Brown, uh, Dean, and, and, and the other acquisitions that they made. With the Flyers, I mean, you're in limbo. You're you're worse than limbo. I mean, you're just stuck in whatever yeah. hell that you're in. And a couple of people on our Twitter account mentioned get a good coach. And it's <laughs> and I, I I at the end of this, like breaking, looking back as we were prepping and just my own stuff in in, in getting ready for tonight's show, like Mike Yo is like on the bottom 10 of the problems that this had if he's even on the list like there were so many issues and you heard that today or excuse me uh a couple days ago when they were doing their exit interviews like players know how bad they were and like you said when we were at games when we were up in press box like they couldn't wait for this season to be over because they just want to move on they just want to get it over with right so they can look forward to 2022 2023 you know, that's the truth. I mean, let's look at what Cam Atkinson said as far as you know, some of his things that it's just utterly embarrassing that the Flyers are in this position and he wants to be part of the solution. Scott Lawton uh, reiterated that sentiment by, you know, saying that we weren't a tough hockey team to play against. And even when they were winning earlier in the season, that they were still chasing a lot of games and it felt like all season long. So whatever it was on as far as behind the scenes, there just wasn't the right cohesion that you need in a locker room skill, skill part aside about on ice product. But if that that's telling me that there's a locker room issue and that they need to figure out something there. Now they're all tight. They're all good buds. They're all that stuff. They're like a, a family. But the thing is that for whatever reason, there just isn't that common force to bring them together to really make sure that they can be the, um, the, the right chemistry, I guess, was the word. Yeah, the uh, gelling yeah, that guys. you need. Yeah. The, the yeah. gelling that you need over the course of an 82-game slog of a NHL season, and then you're approaching 
close to 100 games when yeah. you're getting to the offseason or to the postseason. Yep. Like it, it's a grind of a season that these players put themselves through. And it's like, you're right. Like it does seem like they do enjoy each other's company. But for some reason, there's a disconnect between player, coach, and everybody once they get out on the ice for the most part, which is which is tough because then you're talking about because because after you hear a conversation like what Lawton said, what Cam Atkinson said, even what Ryan Ellis said, and we'll get into him with his injury and the update that he gave, Ivan Provorov caused a stir. Like when you hear yep. this stuff, you kind of tell yourself, okay, I can, I can, you want to, you want to believe what they're saying, right? You want to say to yourself what they're saying. I believe too, I can get behind this. Let's run this back or run, get, keep this core together. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you know, that there's a disconnect on the ice. You know, that these players aren't playing well with each other. So why run it back in any sense of the word? And that's the problem that Fletcher has now in figuring out who's the players that are worth keeping around the Scott Lawton's, the Zach McEwen's and that kind, and the like, and who's not worth keeping around the right. Ivan Provorov, uh, Provorov's potentially like these guys are, 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 it is a tough road ahead that I think we're realizing is not, it's not going to be, yeah, it, it's just not going to be easy. What, whatever road they take, because you're going to have 50% of the fan base that love it. And probably 50% of that fan base that hates it. You're probably right, and, and and that's exactly what it is, is that I think because of the disconnect between the fans and the organization that really came to a head this season, you're, you're not going to get any agreement. Just like anything in this world nowadays, it's all polarized. It's all split down the middle. Nobody can agree on anything. I think that at this point, it's going to be results. That's what it's going to be. People are going to want to see results before they even really start doing that. Some people are in the, in the mind, mindset like, Myself, like I, I think this team isn't as far off as people think it is, but half the fan base is like tear it down and rebuild. And I can't yeah. blame them. I mean, you've been in a, in, a, in a mediocrity where you've won since the last, you know, since 2012. You won one playoff series in 2012 and you won one playoff series in 2020. So in the last 10 years, you've won one playoff series. And that's that's a problem. Yeah, well, well, you're also forgetting round robin champions of 2020. Oh yeah, I forgot. You know, <laughs> just give them the Stanley Cup for that. Yeah, they exactly. Three and zero, and then then you know squeaked it out versus Montreal and some fluky goals, and then yeah, didn't show up. But all of this that we see right now really came to a head in Game Seven of that series against the Islanders. Yeah. That the the way they played in that in that in the last last game of the series, the last the way they've been playing the last two years. So I I don't know if that's just something where they you know the. The, they, the Islanders set the blueprint of how to stop this team. But for whatever reason, they were never able to get over that hurdle. But even so, even if they would have won that series anyway, there's no way they're going to beat Tampa Bay. But, no. you know, that's, you know, not to go back and, you know, hindsight's well, 2020, but that's, that's the issue is that they're just, you, you got excited for one time. And now it's like, well, now what? Prove it to me. Like, you know, they're the worst ticket in town at this point. And I don't think I've ever seen that, you know, in all my years of existence. Yeah. That, that's something that has not existed since 1967. Like Correct. since their since their inaugural season, like that right. that's 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 the point we're at, and and I think there's a faction of the fan base you talked about the people like you that don't think the 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 team is that far off, right. and I do see that, and there's mm-hmm. also the obviously the fan base that wants to tear it down, but the third faction is I think me that sees this club as they need serious improvement, but I don't know where to start, right? Because you you want to talk about uh, let's focus on, let's talk about the Ivan Provorov stuff right now. Like that okay. uh, for a second, like okay. he caused a stir because of his quotes to the media about, uh, Hey, would you, how would you grade your, your, your performance this off of this season? And he says, it doesn't matter. You guys are going to grade because you guys are super hockey experts. And, and it came off very sarcastic, right? Very, very right. dismissive of the media. And I think I don't even know. Do you know who asked the question? I apologize because I, I didn't recognize the voice. No, no, okay. I, I, I do not. I'll tell my head. If, if, we, if I remember, I'll give you credit. But either way. And then he was followed. The follow up question was, do you do you think the media was unfair to you? And he said, no, like I th- we're missing that crux of what Provorov said, because he doesn't blame the media for his struggles this offseason. And I think he took a time to acknowledge it. Sam Karshidi said, like, he wouldn't give himself a grade, but I would give him a C minus C plus. I think it, it, like somewhere in the C's, and I think that's the probably where the majority of us would put him. Right, 
So when you see these guys that are, like there's that third faction that I was getting to, like it, it, you know what has to be fixed, but you don't know where to start. And you want to say that Ivan Provov should stay with this team and wants to stay with this team. But then he comes out with comments like that that seem very dismissive, very forthright in how he feels about playing for this organization now. And if you're talking about a potential a potential of having to replace your set, your top line for the third year in a row, whether it's one or both players, that is a huge red flag. And you have to start there. And now you're talking about just to be able to have, yeah, confidently a top pairing on your defensive line. That, that like that is something that mind boggles me. And this concept of two to three years away isn't is is not achievable. However, there's the other brain, the other part of my brain that's saying, if you convince Ivan Provov to stay and say, look. All we need is Ryan Ellis to get healthy. And it sounds like he wants to, he will be by September, by training camp. That changes everything. Then you just focus yeah. on getting the right pairing on your, uh, or right, the, the right forward lines. Right. And so it, it's, it's a limbo that I don't know. I really don't know how Chuck Fletcher is going to navigate this one. I really I, don't. I, and I, I don't, I don't either. And I think that it, it's, I think I'm more concerned with Provorov's comments in the sense of I look, they're clearly out of frustration. You know what I mean? Like a players really have to do a good job of trying to block out all the noise during the season. It's been very hard for Provorov to do that. It seems because it seems like he's frustrated where he's getting like a little bit of like Jake Voracek, where he's now the whipping boy here in Philadelphia and, and Jake wasn't before. Or Jake yes. was. So I think my thing with Provorov is that the guy's absolutely frustrated. I mean, think about it from his perspective before the fans really get on his case. Look at it from the fact that he's had multiple different partners over the last couple seasons yeah. where he hasn't been able to play the game that he's best at because he's got to play more attention on the defensive side because he's had a partner that hasn't quite had him balanced to be able to do that and, and use that offensive upside that he has. And by I the think- way, and by the way, he's he praised the young guys he was, he was paired with over these last couple of weeks, Cam York, Zamulov, all of these guys, like, He's right. praised them. He's looking forward. He sees the potential in these young guys. Like that right. doesn't sound like a kid that wants to be out of this league, like or out of this team. It sounds like a leader that's trying to find his path here now. Right. And I and I think that that's very. And I, you know what? Anytime that you go after and say something like that for the media, the media is going to fire yeah. back. And we're we're going to talk about it. It's it's impossible not to. Without a doubt. And I can see it from his perspective why he'd be so frustrated with that. I honestly I I I really really can. Does it make up for the poor play? No. Does it the fact that maybe sometimes that there's some things where they're a little too hard considering the circumstances? Yes, but also at the same time the writers have to give something for the fans to talk about and that's that's exactly how it is in Philadelphia. But when you look at Provorov's play, I mean, Provorov had a turnover the other night that led to a goal, uh, led to the Sens' first goal of the game, and he got caught behind the net, lost control of the puck, a turnover in front of Kachuk, and then, you know... Um, how, much weight do you, how much weight do you really put into... And I think this is a question for all of us. Like, how much weight do we want to put into these poor play in the last 15 to 20 games of the season you know no, what i mean I, I, it's not i don't even think it's that i think it's just it, it's been the course of the season with them yeah but uh, but like specifically we're talking about the turnover at the senators i mean it's been countless like it, it, it started yeah. from game one till game 82 the other night against the senators like it's tough for me to to evaluate really players i mean this this is why i would never make a good gm because i have no idea how you evaluate a player that it has been eliminated for what a month and a half at that point. Like it, it, like there's nothing to play for. So you're going to be lazy. You're going to make bad turnovers and the like. So it's impossible for me as a, as a fan, right. Let alone a couch, a, a, a sit at home on the couch GM to figure out who's worth keeping around. Cause based on that, I, you lean towards, no, I don't, I want to try and move off of the last two years of this contract with Provorov. Right. Um, and it's, let me, I, I think it's, 
you can't put as much stock as you think into it because you're, yep. you're playing with a lot more younger guys who are trying to gain experience. But you expect your leaders and your veterans to step up at that time and take on more of a commanding role. With Provorov, it, it, I wouldn't say that his – it's kind of hard to explain without actually showing on video per se. I don't think Provorov has played poorly. I think Provorov's biggest problem has been he's turned over the puck way too many times. But also, there's been situations where he's made a play that's caused a turnover because the right winger hasn't come back into the zone down to the dots. And I think that that's where more of the problems are is that they're pressuring Provorov on the forecheck to really not panic with the puck, but they haven't having no choice but to make the play, whether he's on his backhand or has no room on the forehand, or there's nobody in the general vicinity from make a, a breakout pass to. And that's been more of the problem that I've seen with him. So it's more of, you know, you can put all the blame on Ivan Provo. And some of the other night, like it's not, there's no excuse. Like, you know, he was getting pressured on the forecheck and lost control of it. Like you don't expect your top defenseman to do it, but I've also seen a lot of plays where, yeah, maybe he's on the backhand side on the right wall trying to rip the puck off the wall, but nobody is back far enough. So when a right winger or the wingers, or they come back into the zone, they're supposed to swing down as far as the dots. You don't really want them going lower than the dots. But the thing is, if someone's half up in the zone, halfway to the blue line, that's that much more space that you have to move that puck. And with that, the problem is that if you don't have if teams are too fast nowadays where they're seeing that gap, they're picking it right up. So when you're seeing a guy get forced, you're sending that other guy in there to go turn that puck over. Or if the, he gets the puck up the wall, the wingers aren't playing, aren't winning the battles, weren't winning the battles a lot. So I think there's a lot that goes into it. And I think that's why if you look at overall pro Rob's play, I don't think he was getting undressed. You know, he wasn't undressed or, or too much during the year. I don't think he was the main reason that the team had defensive woes. I think the problem is, is that there isn't enough as far as cohesiveness defensively from their own end, breaking the puck out in the other end to do that. And that really reflects on his game. And if you really take a look at it as a whole, again, you know, could he have played better? Yes. But given the circumstances where you're not getting your help from your wingers, you're, you can make your defenseman look bad. So I yeah. think there's a lot that goes into it. I, I just, I don't think it's, it's just as simple as, Oh, he didn't play well this season to C minus. Well, yeah, well you need some help too. And, and I'll be honest that, Having him expected to play with Ellis and that not happening, not having a stable partner since Matt Niskin retired, that really does affect him. You, you, yes, he is the best defenseman on this team, and the but you can't expect him just because he's the best defenseman on this team to be like an Aaron Ekblad, to be like a yeah. a Drew Doughty, or are you I, even like you know like Adam Fox? Whether it's fair or not at this point, and this is this will be my last. I'll have one question about Provorov, then we'll move on to the next the next guy on the blue line that we have to discuss because once again the topic of discussion is the blue line and the future mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Um, I think Sanheim is the better defenseman at this point, whether it's fair or not. Like, I think Sanheim proved they've kind of flipped roles. Like, I, I think Sanheim, and I don't think this is a hot take or, like, uh, me alone thinking this. I think a lot of people have this thought now that the question mark is now surrounding Ivan Provorov. The Travis Sanheim has cemented himself as a top top two pairing. You could argue a top pairing now, depending on how things shake out with the future of Provorov and Ellis. Sanheim is the with, in my opinion, without a doubt, the best defenseman on this team right now. Yeah, right now he's the best defenseman this season, that's for sure. Yeah, but also look at his partner. I mean, he played well with Ristolainen this season. He did overall play very well. Rasmus Ristolainen did have an impact in helping Travis Sanheim, and that comes down to when you have that chemistry, when you have a consistent partner that you're playing with, that makes you better because there's chemistry, there is consistency. There's two guys who are constantly on the same page. When has Provov really got a chance to do that? Right. With Cam York for a while there. Yeah, but then Cam York got yep. hurt. But then you expect a guy to, to build that chemistry when he's coming in, like, in January? No, not really. That's not how it works. You know, people have obscene ex- expectations sometimes for some of these players and forget two things. One, it is a team game, yep. okay? You know, let's – and I – if you think it that it's not and that one or two players can make a huge impact on your team, look at the Flyers when they lost their centers. That's when they really started going downhill. And the clearest example is with Montreal because they lost Carey Price. They lost Shea Weber. Yes, they lose, lose Tyra Toffoli, which is punch up front for them. And yes, Perry Kakanyemi. But their two main pieces 
were Shea Weber and Carey Price. And they were the worst team in the league because of it. Yep. So losing that talent really does affect you. And I, I don't think that people want to see the bigger picture with that sometimes. Uh, it, today, we're recording this on May 1st. You'll, you're hearing this on May 2nd. Uh, if you Today, Scott, obviously this is going to be the topic of discussion this entire offseason, like I said. Percentage chance that Ivan Provorov is suiting up in the orange and black uh, whenever game one is of the 2022-2023 season. Percentages? Yeah, you don't go into speculation. Here we are. Right? I, I want to. At this point, you have to go into speculation. No, and I, I, I agree. I, I'm going to look at probably sixty to sixty-five percent. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, at seventy. I, 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 I'm, I'm a very. I think that they really want to give this Ellis and uh, and Provorov thing a a real shot without yep. really having to make move. He's under contract. They're not forced to move him. And the Flyers really aren't getting blown away by any offers out there. It's not like you have no, to move exactly. You know, yeah. like I, I would be willing to keep Provorov around and see what can he do with Ellis. Now, if he plays with Ellis and they have a full season, next thing you know, he's not playing as well. Then, yeah, you look to move him at that point. Especially because uh, then he's a pending free agent. You can move. It's a little bit easier to move. And, and or like he's entering the last year of his deal. He's a little bit easier to move and, and the right. like. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and that's how that's how that's or no, how no, he, he, 2022. He just, I think he signed an extension last year, didn't he? It's a six year deal. This is he Provorov will be entering his fourth year in 2022, 2023. So he has his fifth and sixth year still to go. So okay. technically three years left as of today. Anyway, okay. but like to your point, Ryan Ellis, we just came came out and did his exit interview. He actually made a joke. I don't know if you caught it. He goes. I mean, the stats speaks. He said something along the lines of, "Well, it's, my stats speak for themselves." I mean, I was efficient. Four games, five points. That's yeah. nothing. To see. And he's yeah. right. I yeah. mean, that's nothing. That's really impressive for a guy that was clearly injured at that point. Came back for a game in November and was, and then that was it for the rest of the year. Um, to your point about trying this Provorov Ellis experiment, it doesn't work if you don't have the other half of that in Ryan Ellis. And he's not obviously based on a contract. He's based on this mysterious injury that Ellis came out and was pretty forthright. I, I, I really appreciated. And this is the problem with hockey culture. And I think you would agree with this. Like it's all secretive during the season. And then once the regular season ends or the playoffs ends and your season's over, unless you're lifting that Stanley Cup. That's when you discover everything. Oh, yeah, this is what they really had. He had a torn ACL. Giroux a couple years ago, if you remember, he had the wrist injury because of the face-offs taking a toll against him. I think it was the 2012 series uh, against uh, the Penguins and and uh, mm-hmm. Crosby. Like, everything comes open in, in the offseason. So, immediately, Ryan Ellis is like, well, I don't need surgery. But we've discovered that the injuries basically is this. He didn't want to go into it because he said it was multi. It was basically the entire pelvic area between the groin, soft tissue, all this stuff. Like, and he still anticipates to be ready to go by training camp. Mm-hmm. If Ivan Provorov and Ryan Ellis cannot be paired together, game one, that's again one of these issues that we're just discussing. Uh, with the future of Provorov because it goes hand work. We're connecting them to the to the teeth to the tissue uh, uh, of Ivan Provorov and and Ryan Ellis. If one of them is not there, it's going to collapse, and we're going to be unfairly uh, critical of the other player. That's really what this is about to be. Like I feel like we're at a point where we're setting each other up for failure in terms of criticism. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> let's let's look at the let's look at Ryan Ellis as a whole. Yes, he had, and it, we we talked talked about it with uh, James from High and Wide Hockey the other night. Is that Ryan Ellis came up in a conversation we were having, and it's funny we said like you know he still had more points than Phil Myers this year, and which is crazy. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And so listen, yeah, and I talked about it last week too when the reports came out that Ellis wasn't happy. He hasn't been around the team. He seemed like a guy who was happy to me. And his, and his, I was going to say he was quick seemed, to dismiss that issue. Right. And I'm, and I'm not sitting here saying that the reporting was, you know, inaccurate and you know, all that stuff. And the sources weren't accurate. I'm not, that's not my intention at all, but 
I think that it kind of gets it gets blown out of proportion a little bit in a sense of, yeah, I would imagine a professional hockey yes. player who missed a full season would be absolutely frustrated. I, I would understand that sentiment. So, yes, I could see if yeah. he was frustrated that he had to miss a full year because I think they couldn't we, identify the problem. I think in life, this is just a life lesson. If we're, I think this will be a bit that we do in the offseason podcast, life lessons with Scott and Bill. I think we misinterpret frustration. Yeah. I do. think we I think we look at frustration as well, this guy clearly doesn't want to be here or work there or be with that woman or be with that guy. Like they want to break up like after one fight or frustration, whatever it may be like, that is a serious problem that we have. Like when we miss it, when we hear that a player is frustrated, we just immediately jump to the conclusion. Well, they don't want to play here and they're done. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not how this works. Right. Especially for a guy, as you said, for Ryan Ellis or Ivan Provorov or Sean Couturier or Nate Thompson, all these guys that were either injured or once point injured, or Ivan Provorov's case, he missed his first game ever this year, and it was only because of COVID. He missed right. three games because of COVID. Right. right. So when these guys come out as frustrated, yeah, of course they're going to be freaking frustrated. Yeah. They're not playing the sport that they've been playing since they were three years old, probably. Yeah. So I, I like when we hear a player frustrated, we have to take it a step down in how we interpret it is Correct. really what we have to come. Absolutely. To. These are guys who throughout their entire lives, they've been the cream of the crop. They've been at the top of the food chain. They've won everywhere they've gone. They've had a complete effort. So when you get to the, get, you know, when you're playing against men and you're not the best, yeah, it's frustrating. And some guys have a hard time handling that. That's just human nature. When you yep. have all these guys who are type A personalities, you know what I mean? And they're calling me one Stanley Cup handed out this year and everybody wants to get their hands on it. When you don't get an opportunity to get it, yeah, it pisses them off. And I and I, I don't I think that people underestimate the fact that before they're hockey players, they're human beings, they're imperfect creatures, you know. They it's they're they're not machines, they're not just these guys who could just expect them, oh, because you get paid a lot of money to play a sport doesn't mean you don't get frustrated. I, I could play a sport for free. When I lose, do I get frustrated? Hell yeah, I get frustrated because I want to win. And the same game with these guys. Like everyone, I think a lot of people, a lot of our listeners probably do what you and I do. Play video games. I'm holding Correct. up a controller right now. I'm showing yes, you it on an Xbox game. controller. The amount of frustration that we get in these games when we're shot in COD, or we uh-huh. give up the goal in HL 22, yep. like that, all that stuff. Yeah. There's absolutely I, like, it, 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 and we've played COD together. You've yeah. seen me get, get frustrated over silly little things. Yep. Screaming and at it, a guy. It, it, it's taken me a lot and it, it's taken a lot of therapy to realize <laughs> stop. It's not yeah. that big a deal. Yeah. And I still slip every once in a while. My wife will tell you she'll barge in here at any second if she's hearing this and be like, yeah, you still got mad. You still get mad. I hear you smash the table like these frustrations happen in life. Right. But we don't let them take over our lives. That's what right. we have to realize. Like the players are the exact same way. The guy that signed Ryan Ellis has what five years left on this deal that yeah, he had with Nash- Nashville. Yeah. It's now obviously in Philly. Like that doesn't mean what, what the year one of frustration out of year six is not going to cause the guy to have a meltdown and demand a trade. Right. Especially in the NHL that has very little player movement. Correct. It's, exactly. So, it, it's it's a mind-boggling thing to see, and it's it's it basically it was nice to see that Ellis was so forthright yep. in saying we're gonna get this right. I'm on the same page as management. Management is on the same page as me. We got this. We have a plan. Therapy. He's hoping to work out in a couple of weeks, uh, for, or kick up his workout routine in the gym. And as soon as we see him on the ice. That's the go that that is a great sign. I mean, right. Look at Sean Couturier. He's already s- skating like the guys that need to be here in terms of whether they're obligated by contract or that they just are the identifiers of being the next core that we have. We alluded to, right? Like they are at least showing based on these last couple of weeks from Couturier being on the ice and Ivan Provorov yesterday or on uh, Friday about the future of this team. Like I'm confident these guys will play to the best of their ability. Again, it's just a matter of the pressure on Fletcher is there. And do we have faith that he will do it now? We're going to get the draft in a couple weeks. They have the fourth best odds. We'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm okay with some of these leaders sticking around. It's just a matter of, 
navigating what supporting roles you want to do, because I still don't agree with the fact that you run it back strictly because you just convince yourselves, oh, it was just all these injuries. Like, no, that wasn't. There was a serious issue here and you got to figure out what it was. That's not our job. Our job is just interpret it. I think that this team still needs a shakeup, and I still think there's a big move up Chuck Fletcher, Chuck Fletcher's sleeve. I really think there is, whether it is a guy like Konechny, whether it's a pro route. I do think that they will listen to offers on these guys. I think they have to. I think they know that they have to find ways to improve the team rather quickly and can't just bank on the injuries because yeah. they have to do a couple other things as well. They have to decide where they want to go as far as coaching. Do they want to keep Mike Yo? Do they want to go a different direction? You know, like Mike Yo is still, as of today, the interim head coach. Yep. So there are going to be some decisions that they're going to make on that that we're going to have to look at and say, okay, what is the game plan here? Where do the Flyers hockey operations standpoint feel that they need to do in order to be competitive next season? Uh, you know, again, you, you talk with other people. Um, and other other media outlets and you know like uh, uh, people like high and wide hockey and you know you talk to talk to that I've, I've spoken to them a, a countless times about this and it's like you you see the little things but like and they say like oh man this team's got a long way to go I look at it and I say I, I don't think so I think that it's exacerbated by the fact that it was so bad this year and they say yeah. well you know like well and people have said because of like because of Carter and Richards they had things to look forward to I think there's an there's a wealth of talent to look to in fact if you look at this team in general, the guys like Ronnie Adderd, who has some has raw skill there and he needs a little refinement. Um, you look at, uh, you know, you have Travis Sanheim, Rasmus Ristolainen, you have Cam York, you have Ryan Ellis, you have Ivan Provorov. You're really solid at the defensive position overall, because think of it this way. If you have Provorov and Ellis as your top line, your second line is going to be Sam Hine and Ristolainen. And your third pair is going to be Cam York and who else? And, and right. that's, and that's really, so really when you come down to it, you're going to put a guy like Cam York, maybe as your power play guy, maybe you limit his minutes on the, on put him on the third pairing. But overall, you're solid defensively. You really are. Up front, you're going to have Sean Couturier back next season. You're going to have Kevin Hayes. You got to figure out what you're going to do along the wing a little bit. They had kind of have a glutton on the right-hand side. But you got to figure out some things there. But can you, you know, what do you, what kind of moves do you need to make there as far as showing up your scoring wings? I mean, Owen Tippett has some skill. And if he plays more like a power forward, JVR, what, what's going to happen with him? Is he going to play next season for the Flyers? Are they going to move on from him or try to get somebody to take on that contract? The thing is, I don't believe this team is as far off as people think. Yes, things were really, 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 really bad this year. But you get a coach in here or decide on a coach and decide on a game plan about what you want to do for next season. I believe this team next season is a playoff team easily. So despite how the fact, despite how, how hard this division in this conference is. Okay. I still think because I look at overall things as a whole, which we'll get to in a little bit. We talk playoffs. I think Washington's on the back nine. I think Pittsburgh is on the back nine. So you're I, so I, basically I think Boston's on the back nine. I think there's a lot of turnover here that's going to end up happening. The I Islanders are say, on the front nine. They're they're on their way up. The Flyers, I think, yeah. also are on their front nine. I really do. See, I think so. Basically, if we're if we're interpreting this as the front nine and back nine, the little golf analogy, the golf here, term there, the golf analogy. Yeah, yeah, like I see the Islanders and these guys that on the uh, on the on the seventh or sixth or seventh hole. They're right there. Flyers are on at, at the clubhouse or on t- on on the first hole, man. That's how I, I, I see. I'm not it. gonna I'm not gonna feed in your little analogy here <laughs> and, and, and try to. Well, I, I'm just trying to get as specific as we can. I'm making a general analogy. At one I know, but like back nine, did you have to get that detail? There. I did because I think I I don't disagree with you that they're on the front nine, but it's a matter of where are they? Because we can say anyone's on the front nine. Like, like I, I, I disagree. I think that Pittsburgh's on the back nine. Uh, I mean, you know I, what I mean? Like in terms of in terms of out playoff teams that are on the outside looking in on the playoffs. Like which one of these guys is really on the back end, and which ones are really, or which where are these guys really on the on? Like on who the has a nine? realistic shot to make it and end the playoffs? Exactly. Next year? Like I think I, I think think Islanders, this- Devils, and the Flyers are huge uh, opportunities to make it in next year. Maybe, but like, I, but the fact that we're basing it off of the decline of more teams than the benefit of your own team, I think, is a problem. I think it's a mixture of both. It is, I, but 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 if we're anticipating the uh, or excuse, the penguins and the capitals and the bruins to take steps back 
to our benefit, that's great, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the Flyers are a good contending team. Well, it doesn't really matter. Once you get in, it's a different story. You just got to get in and then see what happens from there. That's what happens. Like you can see this team is a clear Stanley cup contender. Yeah. they, 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 they could be down the line, but We've said that about Edmonton for so many years, and they can't pass. We said it about Toronto. Toronto can't get the first round. I'm not getting out of the first round this year. So, like, th- that's what I'm saying is that it doesn't matter. Like, you could be really, really good in the regular season, and then you can get into the playoffs and you can get swept in the first round. And guess what? Four games, all the expectations go out the window. So, yeah, I mean, look that, what happened that's to the point. And yeah, I think look what happened. Look what happened to the Lightning three years ago. Right. They went against yeah. Columbus. They got swept when they should have won the cup. And they won the cup next year. They learned from yeah. it. And the year but after. I, 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 and I, yeah, the year after that. And, and <laughs> I don't think they, I don't think they'll win it this year. But, I, you know, when you, when you look at it as a, as, as the big picture here, it's not just that what the Flyers have to do. You have to look what's happening on other teams as well. It shook out this way this year. But other teams are going to take some steps back. Other teams are going to have to start looking at rebuilds. Other teams are going to have to start doing that. So that's what I'm saying is that I'm not saying that the Flyers have a chance because other teams might take a step back. I'm saying the moves they make and other teams who are getting up there in age and are on the back nine, that this could be it for them. I mean, Vegas didn't even playoffs this year. Vegas is probably in big trouble going forward here. That's a team. But I Nashville think, made the playoffs. You know, I think we were talking about things that gonna that Chuck has on his plate. Like he has said this before, trade that trades made in the offseason are formed in at the trade deadline Correct. of the previous season. Vegas is gonna be there. Watch whatever. Watch something happen between Vegas and the Flyers because Vegas, as you said, is in a lot of trouble. Not just skill wise and and contending wise, but cap space wise. They're they're basically like Toronto was the other a couple of years ago when we were looking at Nylander and 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 Austin Matthews. That could happen this offseason. That could and trying happen. to figure out what could happen there. So there's a there's a plethora of teams that Fletcher can work with, hopefully, to make a splash and get this team excited or get this fan base excited again because that's all you need to do. That's right. really like. We talk about are they realistically two or three years away? Obviously, with how you're speaking, you believe they are. I right. think they're on the back end of that. Maybe we'll see how things shake out, but realistically, three or four years away. Well, that, and that's the whole joke with Flyers fandom is that and yes. they, they've been for they've they're two to three years away, and they for and they've been that for ten years now. Ten, it's been ten years of two <laughs> to three years <laughs> away. They've been like, two to three years away. Exactly. I know. So, I, I think they're. I think they're. I. I I've seen enough that I think they're closer than that. And I think there's a lot of people out there who disagree with me and say, I don't know what the hell you're looking at, but I'm not seeing the same thing. But honestly, like it's just from seeing the game a different way than a lot of people do. I I don't look at the record and how they blew the, I just think that there's a lot of little things that they need to fix, but it's nothing overly major. I don't think you're looking at a talent issue, like in uh, Buffalo or in Arizona. I don't think it's that. I think you got to make some changes but yep. I think overall, it's more mental for this team than it is about skill set. And it's like for you sure, can, I, you just I, see how often they pass the puck up instead of shooting it. And it's like if, if this team learns or is taught how to just get the puck to the net and play north south tough hockey, they're going to be a very tough team to play against. Yep. But that that's exactly what they need to do. They they those are the types of innings I'm seeing is that it's it's there. They just need to get it out of their head. Whatever mental block is there, they need to get over and they need to get a a coaching strategy in here, not saying a coach per se, but they need to get a strategy in here that's going to force them to play a hard, to be a hard team to play against. And that's number one of what they need to do is that become a harder team to play against. Because when that happens and you're not chasing games, you'll see that this team can pick it up rather quickly, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's where a guy like Owen Tippett that you saw have an absolute laser of a, of a goal the other night. I mean, it, it's just one of those things where if Owen Tippett's doing what he's expected to do, that's a good sign for the Flyers. But we're going to see exact – we're going to get a good litmus test uh, or just an exam, eye test, I guess it, it is really, of where we feel this team is over the next three months, two months, because the playoffs are starting tomorrow. I mean, we we got Boston and Carolina yep. going up against each other in Game One of the Eastern of Round One of the Eastern Eastern Conference playoffs. I mean, in the regular season, watching these teams play, 
I just couldn't believe how much quicker and decisive they this team felt these teams felt over the Flyers. To your point about the shooting and and having that shoot first mentality, the playoffs are the best time of year. I love this year. This, this is my favorite time of the year. It's like Christmas, like every day of the year between now and whenever the cup is awarded. What are you looking for? Are you looking for any specific? Or are you just looking for an looking to have a nice time watching other teams not name the Philadelphia Flyers? Oh no, I'll, I'll get into it. I really get. Yeah. It. I've already made my bracket. I'm I'm ready to roll with it and tell people exactly where I think this is going. Nice. Um, I I I love watching playoff hockey. I do. I really really. It's even more so when the Flyers in it, but there's nothing better than watching playoff hockey and the fact that how intense it gets and the style of hockey that they play that it's not so much based on skill it's about grinding it out it's about make sure you finish every check it's not you know for the first game or two usually in the first round you see teams kind of learning it out but when you get deeper and and and, and there was series and you get the game five six seven when everything's on the line there's nothing more exciting in the world than watching that and i no matter what Yes, I look for the fun of it, and I really look for the good competition and the drama that comes with it and the 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 Cinderella team. Every year there's one that runs through it. I'm always looking forward for that stuff, and I really can't wait to see what happens out of this because I, I tell you what, I, I, I believe there's going to be a couple surprises here that people might not see, um, and uh, it, it, could be, it could be a good one. So I think – in terms of the East, I think we both are on the same page of who we're rooting for. I think it's pretty obvious. We've said it uh, in, in Florida. Mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at this. I'm I think make your bracket for you, by the way. We're going to contest brackets. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make your bracket for you right here. On, You're on making. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I, so I already have it all. NHL.com. I've already, cool. I've, Fill I've this already out made my bracket. Me. Yeah. So I think it's going to be Panthers in five. I think they I think they handle Washington pretty easily. And that's exactly what I selected. The Panthers yeah. in five. I think the the most egregious thing about how this new playoff system works in terms of one two battle mm-hmm. uh in each division and then the or excuse me, two three battle and then one gets one of the wild cards. I think that whatever NHL needs to fix that. But the fact that we have Boston and Carolina battling out in round one, it, it's awful, but it's awesome at the same time because I love these two teams. That's going seven. I'm going Carolina. I think Carolina is going to continue to play jerk hockey. I think that's this is built for them to play this uh, play this way. Carolina in seven. Uh, I think. I don't know how. I think you might secret. I think you're. I'm going to get you to admit this on the air. Toronto Maple Leaves in six. Because I think this is. I think. I think Tampa Bay's it. I think it's over. I think the. Potential dynasty for Tampa. I think it's over. I think I think the Maple Leafs finally win this. I finally get this thing over. All right, Toronto at six. I'll, I'll talk it after you give your last one. Give me the Rangers and Penguins. Uh this is a weird one, but I'm going to go with another seven. I'll go New York. I think I think New York in seven. Okay, so you have the Panthers in five. The Canes in seven, the Maple Leafs in six, and the Penguins in seven. Rangers in seven. I'm sorry, Rangers in seven. Correct. All right. So I, I, you and I are very aligned because I also say Florida in five. I think Washington's on the back end of where they're at. Um, I think that even though they get behind in their Sergey Bobrovsky, that's that factor there. I think that Florida is just way too deep for for Washington to match up over uh, a seven game series. I think that Florida's just going to outscore them. Um, Carolina and Boston, you know, Carolina is going to have some problems because Freddie Anderson is uh, is out for at least game one. Yep. Um, I think Boston, I have more questions about them and their goaltending. I'm not sure how Linus Allmark will hold up through a, a seven game series. Um, I think Boston, again, is on their on the back nine of where they're at. Carolina's a much more, it's a faster team. But yet again, Boston, I don't know how they could wear them down over seven games, but I think that Carolina has enough in the tank where they can win this in six. The Rangers and Penguins, okay? Everybody's talking about Igor Shosturkin and how yep. he's like, you know, the Vesna candidate and all this stuff. I'm always weary when a goalie comes in and it's his first real playoff series. I'm always weary. Uh, yep. 
I, yep. it just, I think that the Rangers are on the upswing and I think the Rangers are going to be pretty good here in the next couple of seasons. But again, you over in, in Pittsburgh, you have Sidney Crosby, you have Evgeny Malkin, and then you have Jeff Carter on your third line who's played pretty decently this year. Now, Tristan Jari is injured and may not play game one, and that could be a really, really decisive factor for them. Um, but overall, I'm going with Pittsburgh at seven on this Ooh. one. I just think that, you know, I think that when it gets going, I'm curious to see how Shesterkin holds up in in it because we've seen it before. I've seen the they call it the Roman Czechmonic effect, where guys dominate in the season and he goes in the playoffs and and falls on his head. I don't know if Shesterkin is going to do that, but again, I'm I'm that's why I'm saying Pittsburgh in seven. And then the biggest one of all, Tampa and Toronto. I've already given away what I'm thinking of this. I'm saying that series is going the distance, but that's going to be Tampa in seven. Tampa is going to win that series in seven games. I just, here's the thing. And I'll be honest with you. If Florida and Toronto play each other, that would be the series to watch if that happens. So so that's why I was going to say, let's do round two, but do they reseed or would it? No, it's because they're Atlantic one, then Atlantic two and three. So basically the winner of the Florida and what capital series is going to play the Toronto and uh, what's it called? Um, uh, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, I'm sorry. The Toronto and um, um, uh, Tampa series. Thank you. Okay. So it would be, so in my bracket, it would be Toronto versus the Hurricanes. Cor- correct. Yes. So okay. in your bracket, you got the Toronto, you got Toronto. So in the second round, you've got Florida and Toronto. Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I think, I think this is Florida's conference to lose. Like I I, like I'm like just to skip ahead here to where I think the Eastern Eastern Conference is going to swing. What's the conference final in your opinion? Ooh, well, based on Florida and Carolina or the Rangers, I think it's going to be Carolina. I think it's going to be Florida and Carolina in Eastern Conference Finals against each other. Okay, and that's going to be a really fun matchup. That's going to be a go the distance, like not. It's going to be a dog and not in the sense of like kicking the crap out of each other, like the back and forth and the speed we're going to see in that is going to be some of the most fun hockey we've seen in a long time. Uh, So are uh, who do you have winning the East? I have I have have Florida winning. I have Florida winning the East. Okay, And then Uh, uh, the West So the West, you got Colorado and Nashville, Minnesota and St. Louis, Calgary and Dallas and Edmonton and Los Angeles. All right, so I'll, I'll just I'll, let's I'll just start from the top down. I, I think the Wild win against the Blues. I, okay. I think this is a good. This is another one of those shouldn't be around one series, but it will be. Uh, give me the Wild in six. Okay. Edmonton and the Kings. This is another funky one. Probably shouldn't go the distance, but will, and it's going to be Edmonton in okay. seven. Avalanche in like five or six. I lean towards five. I, again, I think it's just a dominant team. Uh, Flames, the only sweep of the seat of the playoffs. Ooh, all right. So you're going Colorado five. The Flames is sweeping. Minnesota is going to win in six. And Edmonton was what six? You said. Yeah, I lean six or seven, but I'll take I'll take Edmonton at six. Okay. All right. So then that would leave Colorado and Minnesota. Who do you got? Colorado. Colorado. No. Yeah. yeah, Colorado. Okay. I think Calgary and Edmonton. Calgary. The Battle of Alberta. Edmonton. I'm sorry, you got Calgary. Calgary. All right. Yeah, Calgary. And then the Western Conference finally you got Colorado and Calgary. Who do you got? <sighs> Calgary. Okay. The 2022 Stanley Cup final, you have the Florida Calgary Panthers and the, and the and the and the Calgary Flames. Who do you got? Florida Panthers. Giroux gets it. All right. How many goals are scored in the final series? <sighs> this is always a weird. Uh, this is, I don't fucking know. 30. <laughs> go a low scoring series. All right. Yeah. All right. Excellent. All right. So I've submitted that for you. There you go. Well, my Western Conference picks. I have Colorado and five over the Nashville Predators. The Blues and Minnesota Wild. I think they're very evenly matched. I think the Blues carry that out in seven because of their experience. Calgary and Dallas, I go Calgary in five. And then the Kings and Oilers, I go Edmonton in six. 
And obviously Colorado over the Blues, the Flames over the Oilers. And I've got a Colorado and Florida matchup, a rematch of the 1996 Stanley Cup final. All right. And then winning with a combined of 46 goals in the series, I have the Florida Panthers. All right. So we're pretty similar. Right. We have a couple of round one upsets or differentiations, but other than that, I think we're because because let's be honest, we both want Giroud to get his. Yeah, like that's really what this is, and and it's just the fact that did I don't even know did 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 Florida finally lose or are they still on like a sixteen game winning streak? Uh, no, they got crushed ten to two the that's other night right. by Montreal. We that's were like, right. We were, we were talking about they like there. It was seven. It was seven one in the second period. It was absurd. I forgot about that. Yeah, I don't know why I missed that. That's yep. right. Yep. Okay. Well, I mean, like I said, at some point you have to lose before the playoffs. It's just that you got to reset the system. And adjust the thing and and approach the things that you need to work on right before the playoffs rather than in the middle of the playoffs. So I, I like the I like that they lost uh right before the, the, the end of the season here. All right. After we watch the playoffs, are we gonna feel better about the Flyers chances or are we gonna feel worse? I don't, I can't, I can't answer that right now. <laughs> I can't answer that right Too now. Too far into the future. Yeah. You got to see what happens in the offseason. I think it starts the draft. I think yeah. it started. The draft I, yeah. That's, the, that's really what it is. It's that this doesn't, this, we're going to hear rumblings probably pretty soon, but we're yep. not going to know anything until they figure out where they're picking because right. they have the fourth best, best odds. Uh, what'd you say? Nine and a half percent to get the top overall pick. Yep. For Shane Wright. So if you get Shane Wright, everything changes in right. terms of how, how you look at this. As long as they make the pick, just whatever you get, make the pick. Don't trade right. this. Just go straight forward and pick a player. Uh, hopefully, Shane Wright, but we'll see. All right. That is going to do it. Episode 114 of Orange and Back Check. Thank you so much for listening. This is our, the official start of the Flyers offseason for the 2022-2023 season. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff at Orange and Backcheck, at OBackcheck on Twitter, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com if you have a question for us or figuring out what you think is going to be the, the key point to get you excited again for this offseason or for this team. What is it? Is it the coach? Is it the player? Is it a certain player up in Calgary that you want to see on this team now for next year? Let us know, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Until then, we'll talk to you next time.